All right. Good morning, everybody. Technical issues again, again. Good morning. Glad to have you tuned to the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I'm Neil Sperry, and indeed I am live and ready to help you. Happy last day of September. Seems like the last day of July, doesn't it? It's warm out there, and uh, but that's about done. Hope you'll uh, pick up the phone and give me a call. I'll be looking for calls in the uh, in the next uh, almost an hour, and hoping that you'll be the one on the other end. We have four lines. Oh my goodness, I'd love to see those lines filled right now. That's a, a difficulty I don't want to have to endure. Uh, the uh, number is very easy to access. It is toll free anywhere you can hear me. We have about 30 stations that carry the program from from the uh, Panhandle to the uh, Gulf Coast and from the Big Bend country all the way to the Piney Woods. 888-256-1080. Call now, won't you please? 888-256-1080. I'm here to answer your lawn and garden questions and can't get the uh, computer system to work. Oh, great. So uh, please. Give us a call right now. Colin is there answering the phones today, and I hope there are some phones to answer. We have uh, stations that are carrying rebroadcasts of high school football games and some college games, and oh, goodness knows what all is going on right now. But uh, we are also are going on live radio, live, live talk show radio on a Saturday. Think of it. How revolutionary. So one more time, give me a call. If I can help you with your landscape, with your lawn, with your fall garden, with houseplants, whatever it is, that's my goal, 888-256-1080. I began doing this format of broadcasting back in 1978, and it has continued uh, all the way through. It might turn into a career here one of these days, so I look forward to that opportunity to be of service to you. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's uh, Texas is my home. Gardening has always been my hobby. Two college degrees in horticulture, I was going to be the world's best grower and and ended up working for the extension service and enjoying the media side of things and so I uh, ended up there instead so uh Colin I have the uh, call screen up and just put me a message up to make sure I have the right page if you will and that'll that'll let me know that uh, that part's working so I am broadcasting from a different studio um, I I'm been very open and honest about things. I have vertigo and and don't ride very well. And so I broadcast from my home studio and there are times that there are problems connecting. Um, I I don't think this one is a problem here, but you never know. Uh, Yeah, got it, Colin. Thank you very much. (laughs) I see it. And I wonder too. So give us a call, please. And uh, when I see your name up, I'll know to come to you. 888-256- 1080. It is uh, exceedingly dry, and uh, don't assume that the falling leaves right now uh, as we go into October are because it's autumn. They're falling because they're very dry. And one good deep soaking of your uh, uh, landscape shrubs and trees could save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. There is a, a hedgerow screening a screening a bus yard of school buses in a, a town that I've been in frequently. And it is uh, just tons and tons and tons of hollies that were put in there for privacy. And they have lost all of them, hundreds of them. And just one watering during the summer would have saved all of those. And that's just so tragic uh, that that, uh, 
hasn't uh, hasn't worked. I see it, Colin, and and we will give it a try during the break. Um, but uh, anyway, it's it's just so tragic. And uh, uh, several cities I've been in have had the same issue where their median plantings could have been saved, and now they've got to go in and take out the old things, which alone is a challenge, <clears throat> and then uh, come in and replant. And uh, the expense and the trouble of doing all of that, it just isn't isn't fair to the plants, isn't fair to the, the town, the, the funds of the town. I, I know, I understand water curtailments and water shortages, I get that. Uh, but if we're going to landscape at all, and if we're going to hold our citizens responsible for maintaining a minimum of landscaping, then we've just got to, we've got to do our part. And we as citizens need to do our part as well. So that's where we are. It doesn't have to be. Uh, doesn't have to look like a resort all the way through Texas, but we 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 can do better than some of us are doing. I've I've let some stuff get too dry this summer in my landscape without realizing there were, were uh, problems with sprinkler heads. So there. Um, let's see what else we have. Um, I think I'll go ahead and take my first break, and we'll try to get some calls in and. And uh, then we'll decide what we want to do, whether I'll be doing a monologue or whether you'll be interested in calling. I hope the latter. I really prefer that. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book. And uh, the good news for you is that I have decided to keep the $34.95 price just a little longer. And uh, my hope is that it will be your only needed Texas Gardening Reference. That was my goal as I started writing the book, and uh, 11 chapters later, one chapter per topic, um, and, and let me tell you what those chapters are. Chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas, uh, understanding the soil types of Texas and the climatic zones of Texas, etc., because that chapter applies to all the other 10 chapters. Chapter two is a calendar. I've never put a perpetual calendar in a book before. And I thought, yeah, stuff doesn't change from one year to the next. You still put out pre-emergence at the same time. You still prune this or that plant. You still transplant them at the same times during the year. So it's uh, 48 pages, four pages per month of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all of the plants you're growing. And then chapters 3 through 11 are detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, and fruit and vegetables. I spent a month writing each one of those chapters. You get 840 of my photos and 344 uh, pages of uh, of my work, my life, a year to write it, a lifetime to learn what I put into the book. And it is yours for only $34.95. You get me for a year for $34.95. That is uh, a bargain, I think, but you'll be the judge of that. In fact, to the point... Uh, when you buy the book, if you're not satisfied that you got $34.95 worth, I'll buy it back from you every penny, no questions asked. 82,000 copies sold so far and not one request for a refund. Now, the book is not in stores and it's not on Amazon. You need to buy it either through my office on the phone or from my website because I want to sign your copy before I send it to you. That was my uh, goal when I began doing this. And I know I'm not going to sell nearly as many copies this way, but I'm satisfied with that. I'm happy with that. I've left the price at $34.95, and uh, I will for a little longer. This is your chance. Makes a great Christmas gift or holiday gift or birthday gift or gift for you and your landscape. 
Here are the two ways you can buy the book, Satisfaction Guaranteed. And the one is to call my office Monday through Friday business hours, 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. The other way is to, um, is to buy it uh, at uh, my website. You can do that right now at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. Mueller's been producing quality steel buildings, quality metal roofing right here in Texas for 93 years. Now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right in your own backyard. Their easy-to-assemble, bolt-together greenhouses come in five sizes, from 6x9 all the way up to big 12x21 greenhouses, and they feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors from which to choose. With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year-round. So don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce. Get yourself a great greenhouse from a great Texas-grown company. That's Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. MuellerInc.com because Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right. Thank you very much, Kelly Robinson. We're going to be trying the... uh... We're going to be trying the uh, internet connection now. We think we have it all worked out, and we'll give it a try. Turn my phone off so that doesn't uh, echo back at us. Thank you. Let's see how that works. Um, So let me give you the phone number again. Let's try to get some calls in now that we have a better connection. It is 888-256-1080. This is your chance to call. I just blew up my phone screen, so now I've got to establish that again. Life is just always challenging. Have you ever noticed that when you do, have you ever noticed when you do live radio, life becomes a challenge? Do you ever notice that? <laughs> Trust me, that is the way it is in the real world. Here we go. There we go. Hey, I see a call. Let me carefully hide that so I don't click myself off the air and we'll see how it works. We'll go to Brenda in Oakwood. Brenda, this, and then that goes away. Uh, let's give it a try. Brenda in Oakwood. This is Neil. Good morning. All right. I'm going to assume that Brenda in Oakwood just disappeared. Is that the case, Colin? All right. Hunter in Fredericksburg. All right. That's good. Hunter, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Sperry. Uh, actually, I'm yes, in sir, San Angelo. Neil. I'm moving I'm moving back to my hometown of San Angelo, Texas. Okay. Uh, back in the 80s, my dad and I planted a 1,500-tree pecan archer, which I know is not a very big one, but it, it, we were both interested in pecans, pecan culture and all that. And uh, uh, John Begnote was the local uh, ag man here, uh, county agent. And I just... I, we had the. I was living in Fredericksburg when we had the big freeze. We were without water or electricity for 23 days, and it was a wonderful experience. Actually, get rid of all the media. Mm-hmm. But after <laughs> that, that plus the drought, 
killed an awful lot of trees, a lot of pecans, well, all kinds of trees, but especially the pecan trees is what I'm interested in. And I just wondered what kind of effect it's had on the on the industries throughout from, you know, the whole all the way from the Florida to Arizona or California even, and especially in Texas. Can you give me any perspective on that? Not really with any, uh, with any uh, uh, weight. That's not my field. Uh, ornamental horticulture is, is more my strength. Um, right. John is still active in, in working with the uh, Tom Green County uh, program. And, um, and I thought the people in College Station could also. I'm sorry. I thought I, he I, retired. I'm sorry. Oh, he did. He did uh, eight or ten years ago. But John's nature is he he doesn't know how to retire. He's just a great guy. John has been a <laughs> yeah, friend he, of mine for forty. I, I'm sorry. I can't hear what I'm, I'm sorry, talking. Go ahead. That's I just okay. I just I was just confirming he is a great guy. I'll shut up and let you talk, sir. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, he uh, is one of the nicest uh, county horticulturists that uh, Texas ever produced. And, and as I say, he's been a friend of mine 40 or 45 years. His daughter is very high up in the Callaway's organization in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I work with Jenny all the time. Um, and they are very proud of her as, as well they should be. John was on school board in, in the Wall ISD for a while. And he and my wife would cross paths at the state school board convention. My wife is at that right now. John wisely bowed out. My wife unwisely did not. Um, but but anyway, uh, uh, their office could help you a lot more than I could. Uh, so could College Station. Uh, but uh, 1,500 pecan trees to you may not seem like a large orchard. To a mere mortal, it uh, it certainly would. And uh, uh, it's it's an interesting industry. Uh, I do an annual program on a a local station in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, in February that I turn over to uh, Fruit and Pecans, the whole program. I just tell people we'll talk about boxwoods and turf grass next week, uh, but I don't want any, so I don't want any calls on those topics uh, this week. Uh, and the reason being, I, I, for many years, 44 years, I've had uh, Dr. George Ray McEachern as a guest uh, on that program. It's the only time I ever have a guest on that on that program, but I, I just turned it over to him because that is really not my strong suit. And it's just fun right. to have people like you call with questions like the one you just posed of me because I don't know those answers, and he does. He just uh, rattles them out with the, uh, you know, the well, boundage it of the take, cons, et cetera. It doesn't take a degree in horticulture to see just driving down the road how many trees have been affected. The, the, the upper limbs are off. Well, I'm looking at some right now. The upper limbs are dead. And then people pollard those pollard pollard those limbs, and yes, instead of taking them off down at the uh, the crotch at the, where it attaches to the whatever it's attached to below that, and uh, yeah, they just whack them. There's an awful lot of off. bad pruning going on around this country, and uh, it just breaks my heart to see it because they're just creating another kind of problem. And uh, same thing is happening to live oaks that froze. I see that in the in the landscape industry. The same thing's happening. I, I understand. Oh yeah, and and and. Uh, I just moved here from Bryan College Station, and the the drought there this summer has killed almost every landscape shrub. And I tried to plant a bunch of uh, purple fountain grass. That's not a native, I don't think. But anyway, I tried to plant some native species, and they never they didn't make it. The soil down there is, doesn't have a bottom, and 
you can water it all day long, and the next day it's dry and cracked again, <laughs> and it's just devastating. Up, I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, you know the yeah, soil. It's been, it's been tough. 2000, 2011 was a biblical drought, and then this year has been just dreadful. Last year was not good, so we're in we're in a tough well, time. I was reading a story about the uh, the, the drought of the fifties, and and I think we're repeating that now. So. Well, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, uh, uh, Hunter. I just it's it's just not something I'm particularly conversant on. I'd go back through the the Tom Green Extension Office. They are very very active, and uh, they they do work with the industry a great deal. I hope there's still an industry to work with, as as you said. You, you mentioned uh, the drought of 2011. Mr. Amador Pando, who lives in Andrews now retired from the oil field, uh, bought my dad's property, and he said that it was a drought of 2012, but it doesn't really matter because all the trees died because the San Saba River dried up, and he pumped out yeah. of the river to get irrigation water. So he has he could well, get 250 uh, acre feet of water per year from the from the river. And the, he's yeah, only got about pretty pretty sure it's 2011 because I I spoke at a funeral yeah. of my my favorite teacher yeah. from school, and uh, right. it was in 2011. I drove to College Station. I told my wife that the uh, zone of adaptation of native plants in Texas moved east about uh, 100 miles. Things that had been native in uh, in College Station, I don't think were native there anymore. <laughs> it was, it was dreadful. Did you have? I went back to get my uh, master's degree. Ended up a master's degree in immunology, but I started off in horticulture. And there was a professor there that I loved to death. His name was Dr. Jack Gibson. He was a pesticide specialist. Did you happen to know him? No. no. At Texas Tech. Okay. Well. At, anyway, at Tech, uh, I did not go to Tech. I went to N M. Oh, I know. Then, I know. I know. Then Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my dad and uncle were both on, on faculty at A&M, both the professors at A&M. My dad in range oh, management yeah. and my uncle in, in taxonomy. Well, well, I better run. Yeah. I see Nicole from okay. Corpus Christi, so I hope I was of help. I don't think I was of any help at all, but I enjoyed the conversation. Oh, well, thank you very so, much, Mr. Sperry. Same thank day. you. It's Neil. It's still Neil. Take care. All right, let's go. Uh, let me see where I am time-wise. Uh, Nicole, please please wait with me and let me get a break out of the way here, and I will come right to you, and we'll talk about the uh, small white insects around your tomato plants. I have a pretty good idea what they are, and I'll try my very best to help you. So stay with me if you will, please. This is a, a mention for Fertilone. This is a great Texas-based company and a great product in the in the line of that company. Fall feeding is one of the most critical feeding times for your lawn. A well-fed, healthy lawn can better endure the hardships of winter, so prepare it soon with Fertilome Winterizer for established lawns. A number of years ago, Fertilome used the findings of local universities here in Texas to design this winterizer product specifically for Texas. Fertilome Winterizer has a 10 0 14 analysis. It's formulated to convert quickly and easily into stored nutrition. It feeds your lawn throughout the harsh winter months. Fertilum Winterizer builds winter hardiness, stem strength, disease resistance in lawns, and it's safe on all types of lawn. Just water it gently in after applying it. The yards fed with Fertilum Winterizer in the fall are the first to green up come springtime. 
Fertilome winterizer for established lawns can be found at independently owned garden centers, feed stores, and nurseries all around Texas. That's because that's the way Fertilome sells. They sell to the independent retail garden centers and hardware stores and feed stores. That is Fertilome, a Texas-based product and its company, and it's Fertilome winterizer. Get it now. Get it out. Water it in. I'll be back with more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. We go back to our phone lines. We have two of the four lines available. You have uh, uh, the uh, right to one of them if you'd like to uh, uh, if you'd like to give it a try. 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. So uh, call right now, please. Love to hear from you. We have Nicole in Corpus Christi. As promised, Nicole, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how can I help you? Okay, well, I have a lot of tomato plants, and I didn't have this problem last year, but this year I have it. There are a lot of little white, looks like little white flies or something, but they're very, very small, just flying all around. I looked it up and I sprayed them, they said, with soapy water. I tried that. It didn't work. And then I mm. um, bought, I think it's seven, um, a kind of like, I guess, like a pesticide or something. I sprayed that mm. and it didn't work. So I, I honestly don't know how to get rid of them. Well, you named them exactly the way the entomologist named them about, a, uh, about 80 generations ago. And that is they're called white flies. They are not flies, but they look like little tiny flies. And they are just white as snow. When you brush against them, they will fly out mm -hmm. in, in droves. Uh, two plants that I remember, I grew up in College Station, and two plants where I would almost choke when I'd go out and work around these plants. They love gardenias, and they love privet hedges. We That was back a long time ago, and privet hedges were quite common. And my job was to prune our privet hedge every couple of weeks. And man, for a gas mat, go out and do it and be able to breathe afterwards. They were so so thick. White flies are tenacious uh, breeders, and and one of the problems in getting anything to control them is that they are they're they're resistant to most insecticides. They just yeah, it's hard to kill them with an insecticide. If you just have a white fly and you spray it, it's it's not going to have much impact on it. And then the added problem is that they are prolific breeders, and so there is always some life cycle phase on the plant. You either have eggs, you have nymphs, or you have adults. Right. And the adults, okay. of course, are flying, and they're out in the air somewhere, so you, you, you're not going to hit them. And so unless you're out there just like a sprinkler, spraying them all the time <laughs> they're coming back and the and the eggs are hatching and it's just a nightmare um what i the the the, the long term of it to be ready for next year when you get this season over with and you finally have your first freeze uh, i assume that you will have a freeze in corpus christi some years you don't but uh, if, yeah if when you do Make sure uh -huh. you get all the stubble out of the way. They overwinter on that fallen stubble on the old leaves. Get it all cleaned up very carefully. And okay. uh, then uh, just try to get rid of any way that they would overwinter in your 
in your on your city lot put it in bags send it off don't compost that that one time okay uh, just send it to the trash okay so that's one thing um I, I will tell you this i don't think it's a practical thing to do but but i will tell you that they are attracted to the color yellow and if you go to an organic pest control uh, supplier they will have what's called yellow sticky traps they're about the size of a three by five card and they have a very sticky surface like fly paper and these little okay. white flies are attracted to that color and they will get stuck on it. Well, I have two problems with that. Uh, you'd have to have a lot of them. And secondly, uh, other uh, beneficial insects get caught on it too. And I, I just have a oh, soft enough okay. problem. I don't want to see that happening. Um, in a greenhouse setting, there is a white fly that gets all over poinsettias. And greenhouse growers just shudder to think of that. But they so you'll see the yellow sticky traps in greenhouses uh, frequently. So that's okay. the second thing. Uh, you can spray. There are uh, there are insecticides that will say that they will control white flies, but you're going to have to spray fairly regularly. And they're they're insecticides. They are inorganic insecticides. Uh, they're not going to give 100% control, and you're probably going to have to use them fairly often for a while to break that cycle. Um, okay. I would encourage you to read the label carefully. I would encourage you then, even before you buy the product, go home and check it out online. Make sure it fits your comfort level. Uh, I have no problem in recommending these things because that was part of what my dad did with A&M Research when he worked there, was testing these products to make sure they were effective. And then other people tested them for the EPA to make sure that they were safe as, as used according to label directions. So, I've seen the testing that goes on, but there are plenty of people, and I find no fault with it, that don't want to use things like that on edible crops like tomatoes. The good thing right. about tomatoes is you, you wash them before you eat them. It's not like they're going to be on a leafy vegetable or something where you can't get it all washed off. Um, right. But that's, and, and then I will tell you one last thing, and then I've told you everything and maybe more than I know. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the, the quote of an, an entomologist out of Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm sorry, out of Ohio. Uh, his comment was priceless. Uh, you could use, and, and he was referring to malathion, you could use malathion on white flies, but you might as well spit on them. <laughs> I thought that's just, because <laughs> uh, that's how hard they are to control. And so, okay. And do they hurt the, the plant story. any? Yeah, a little bit. They, they, they're okay, sucking insects, piercing sucking yeah, insects. Yeah, that's what I but, thought. All things considered, it's not the worst. It's not like tomato hornworms that eat all the leaves off the plants. So, okay, uh, you don't want them, and and you sure don't want them getting on other plants. Um, if you have uh, gardenias, you don't want them because they will leave a sticky residue behind. Then you get black mold growing mm -hmm. on that. Oh, okay. and all your gardenia okay. plants are, are wrecked. So, anyway. Okay. Well, that, that thank you so much. That was my Saturday morning sermon on white flies. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate the help. I'm glad you called. Have a good day. Thanks. You All right. Too. Let's bye see bye. where we are time wise. Okay. Bye bye. Um, I want to. I love crepe myrtles. Linda in Oakwood wants to transplant baby crepe myrtles. It says here, crepe myrtle babies, crepe baby myrtles. I get my words right here. And I want to spend enough time with her. So, Linda, let me get this uh, this quick break out of the way, and I'm coming to you. And I 
uh, there's a there's a maybe a trap in there uh, that may fool you. So please stay with me and I'll get to you. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. I'll tell you one of the things that I have in, in this book, just to give you one specific example in the, uh, in the uh, 344 pages, we have a list of all of the known crepe myrtle varieties. That's, uh, and, and how tall they grow, what colors, how they're rated, all of that. That's just one example. This book has 11 chapters. Chapter one is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter two is, uh, the, uh, uh, is the calendar, 48-page calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of your plants uh, month by month. So four pages per month. So you know what you need to do in October. You just turn the page and look into October and you'll say, there's my checklist, what I need to get done this next month, so forth. Chapters three through 11 are trees, shrubs, and that's, those are the places you'll find crepe myrtles in that crepe myrtle list. Um, and then uh, vines and ground covers, annuals, perennials, uh, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. There also are uh, just comprehensive lists of and descriptions and and photographs of the best trees and the best shrubs, the 100 best annuals, the 100, 120 best perennials for Texas, and uh, all that information. A really great planting chart that I worked a couple weeks on for vegetables as to exact time to plant for each part of Texas. This book was written for the entire state of Texas. Now my book is only $34.95. I am trying to pay a uh, another project I'm working on. Part of it was my wife's re-election campaign to the school board in McKinney where we live and uh, that was successful. I have another project I'm working on I'll share with you uh, in the near future um, and I, I'm I just the cash flow will help a great deal, and so that's uh, exactly uh, what why I'm leaving this at thirty four ninety five, and this, so it's a real bargain for you. Eight hundred forty photos, three hundred forty four pages, eleven chapters, hardback, printed in Texas, not in stores, not on Amazon. The two ways you can buy my book: you go to my website or you call my office Monday through Friday business hours. You want to call to order it? It's 800-752-GROW. Again, that's during the week, business hours. 800-752-4769. The better way is to order it right now at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And uh, just to emphasize, 888-256-1080. That's what he said, what I said. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Linda in Oakwood. Linda, good morning. Speak Hi. to me, Linda. There you are. Hello, can you hear me? I do. Oh, How can great. I help good you? Morning. Uh, good morning. I just moved, bought this house about a year ago. I have four giant great, uh, great crepe myrtles. And about 30 foot away, I have about eight baby crepe myrtles coming up. And they're right in the path of where the propane tank uh, truck will be coming through. Okay. So I need to get them transplanted. I didn't know if this was a good time of year to do that. Okay. And these are these are definitely separate plants. They're not sprouts or anything like that from the, from the big plants. I don't think so. They're like, they're like 30 feet away from the other other trees. 
Yeah, that's pretty far. Uh, this is an okay time to transplant. Every week that you wait to do so gives them a much better chance of surviving. How large are they? One is about, uh, I guess, about a foot and a half. Uh, before we even realized what they were, my husband was mowing them down. So the remaining plants <laughs> are probably about six inches high, very bushy. <laughs> okay. Well, they'll take off. Um, that's good. That actually is good news because if you can get the propane driver to agree to straddle them and not just smash them, then they'll they'll survive whatever happens when when the truck goes over them. Just just try to keep the wheels off them. If, is it, would that be possible? Yes. Okay. Then the best time to transplant would be any time after Thanksgiving and before uh, the first of March. You have about a three month period in there. There is no plant any easier to transplant than crepe myrtles. Uh, they are they are very forgiving. Um, they can be transplanted in the in the mid fall to to late fall, and then the best time is during the winter. The longer you wait from the first of October, the better it'll be for the plants because they're not dormant yet. It's always better to transplant woody plants when they're dormant, and so a after they've had a hard freeze. But crepe myrtles will forgive you better than than other plants. If you were to transplant a holly right now, there's a good chance you'd kill it or an oak or anything else. But crepe myrtles heard say, they well, were very easy to transplant. Yeah, they are. I would wait if you can. You know, fill the tank the first time, and then and then before you fill it the second time, uh, soak the soil really well before you try to transplant them. If you have not had rain, uh, soak it and wait uh, four or five days and then do that transplanting. Uh, yeah, I, I did try transplanting one and I thought I killed it, but I have been watering it. That was about two months ago and now I do have green coming back on it. So you transplanted basically in the middle of the summer or toward the end of the summer and it survived that. If it can survive that, then <laughs> it's, that thing's a survivor. Okay, well, they, they were all like in a row, and I was worried about digging up the roots and everything, but I guess I'll just go ahead and try them. Yeah, after, you'll get after. most of the roots when you dig them, and, and the next phenomenon you'll see is you'll have a bunch of sprouts that will come up next year just outside where you, where you have dug these. Let's say you, I'm just, I don't know how big they are. I'm just going to use some numbers that I'm making up. Don't use these as any, any gospel in, in when you start digging. Let's just say that you dug a soil ball that was 18 inches across or whatever number you want to assign to it. At 19 inches, you'll start having sprouts. And you'll say, wow, look at that. I have a whole bunch more. Those come up as sprouts off the roots. And they don't have any roots of their own. You can't dig those up and pot them and grow them because they don't, they don't hold up very well. They would eventually if you let them grow and develop their own sets of roots, but it's just amazing. Crepe myrtles have a will to live. That's that's what they I do. Love them. They definitely do. Yeah. Okay, you've do. been a great help. I'm glad you called. Take care. Thank All right. You. See, that's the difference in you thank you very much. That's the difference in asking me something about crepe myrtles versus my first caller today who asked about pecan orchards. <laughs> I'm dumb as a stump on that one. And I admit it. I found out 45 years ago when I began doing this kind of program, it is much better to admit that you don't know uh, right up front on a call than to prove it <laughs> by some goofy answer that you give. Oh, my goodness. 
Uh, let me tell you about my electronic newsletter. It's called eGardens. It is free. It comes out every Thursday evening, uh, just a little after 6 p.m. I enjoy writing Neil Sperry's eGardens. We've been doing it 19 and a half years, a little more than that now. And uh, it comes from my computer directly to your uh, email. Uh, it actually goes through Gretchen's computer, too. She puts it together for me. But uh, I do a lot of the writing. I do almost all of the writing. We have usually in each issue a guest author. I have three friends who uh, write for eGardens, and they bring some wonderful stories. Diane Sitton uh, just has written one on, on bringing wagon wheels into landscapes. That's kind of fun. So if you want to see what eGardens looks like before you sign up for it, you go to my website. That's where you do sign up for it. Go to neilsperry.com. Click on eGardens, and at that uh, page on my website, you can see what it looks like because the most recent issue is there, and you sign up at the same place. Once you look at it, you get a chance to sign up for it. That's Neil Sperry's eGardens. There's always a featured plant of the week. There always is gardening this weekend where I point out the 10 or 15 things that are most critical to get done that weekend and answers to your gardening questions, plus the stories from the outside writers. I enjoy doing eGardens. I think you'll enjoy getting it. Take a look at it at neilsperry.com. Same place you go to buy my book, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens. There's a lot of talk these days about Made in America. Let me tell you about something that's been made in America for 93 years now. That's Mueller Metal Roofing. Mueller Steel Buildings, made right here by people who care about quality of both materials and workmanship. Whether it's a metal roof for your home or a custom steel building or even a shed or a greenhouse for the backyard, Mueller means quality. Mueller has four manufacturing facilities right here in the USA and with 36 branches for sales and service, there's a Mueller building near you. And when you choose Mueller for metal buildings or roofing, you're choosing the best quality products to protect your family and your property. And you're supporting local jobs and local families. Ordinary hardworking folks who are proud to provide a product made right here in America. When a company's been doing something for 93 years, they're doing it right. That's Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Or you can also give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER to find a location near you. That's 877-268-3553. They are Mueller. They're made in America. And they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. Uh, more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. I don't think I'm going to try to... Uh, drum up any more phone calls at this point. We have about a minute and a half left in the program. Let me give you a few tips as to things you need to be doing in your landscape and garden in the next uh, in the next week until we meet again. Uh, I would very definitely, if I were you, uh, be watering. Uh, you don't have to go nuts about this, but just don't let your plants get so dry that they are damaged by the uh, by the drought. Uh, it's better to use your water prudently on the plants that matter the most to you. And I'll tell you, a lot of people lose sight of the fact that, oh, I better go water my shade trees. Well, in most cases, your shade trees are going to survive pretty well. They have roots uh, that, that compete favorably. It's low shrubs and ground cover beds that take the longest to, uh, to establish and to uh, 
uh, get covered and you want to soak those don't don't set yourself back by three or four years by letting those die out and a lot of money I might add um, you also if you uh, have turf areas that are bone dry